This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where you read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Urasawa Boys. It's Urasawa us. We're the boys. You're Urasawa today, listener. Um, you're in the hot seat. Where you draw this- face manga, <laughs> often with <laughs> a partner, often two at a time. <laughs> you're a fan of Stephen King, um, and and uh, we're gonna the analyze the shit out of Oa and Osama Tezuka. Yeah, we go. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know what? You're really good at what you do, and you should believe in yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, hi, every, hi, everybody. Um, hey. We're recording. It's been a long day for me. It's been, it's been a, long, a long one. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say it's been a long day, but it has been a warm day. Uh, so that makes it feel a little bit longer, I think, for me. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't quite know what that means, but we're getting into the yeah. summer, which makes the days feel longer and slower. Look, here, okay, here's the real deal. Like, I fell asleep, mm-hmm. so uh, last week, I, this is a story I didn't tell you that I was going to tell. Last week, here in Chattanooga, it was uh, officially Chattanooga Burger Week. Now, listeners, you may be asking, what is Chattanooga Burger Week? Chattanooga Burger Week was a propaganda effort put on by the local Beef Council and the Chamber of Commerce, where all of the fun restaurants in Chattanooga came up with unique burgers, and they were $7 each. So Whoa. I had a lot of burgers last week, is, is what ended up happening. And you didn't, you didn't tell me that was going on? No. I'll send you the website, because the, the website's work. very like, cool. Like, straight up. I want to come down. Oh. oh. That sounds like so much fun. I know. I probably wouldn't have, but damn. I think it was 30. Well, you should come next year because apparently this was the second annual one. So it's only going to get bigger from here. It's only going to get bigger. I so yesterday I went to there's a cowboy bar behind my house um, called Whiskey Cowgirl and they had a patty melt that was called the Dolly Parmesan. That way, uh, that's the name of the bar is Whiskey Cowgirl. Whiskey Cowgirl. Yeah. Damn. They really have a target audience there. eh? It's um it's it's okay. It's it's different from the rest of the the spots here in town. Um but they had a patty melt that was very good and there were a bunch of middle-aged people line dancing while I was over there eating last night. So I ate my patty melt, came back, waited to watch Succession and then fell asleep on the couch and woke up at like 2 a.m. this morning uh and kind of drifted in and out of sleep. So I'm I'm a little tired. My it was a weird Sunday, I think is is the best way of putting it. That sounds like a weird Sunday. Little detour there to talk about stuff that we didn't expect to. <laughs> it's, good, it's good pod. It's good content. Um, but I think that probably ate up some of our time for for other uh, for other tangents. Yeah, talk about um, Booch though, because I I'll tell the mullet story some a, other time. I don't have a lot to say about Booch other than you know, uh, long time listeners will will know how much I like acid uh, acidic things. And booch is about as close as I get to drinking vinegar. Um, 
except for when I drink actual vinegar. But I'm, I'm, I'm off that stuff now. I'm clean. <laughs> that um, was I've listened to that segment probably three times. <laughs> I think it's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you have to remember, like the conclusion of that is when Quinn holds up the thing of uh, not drinking drinking vinegar. <laughs> it looks like something you should be able to drink. And that is the funniest part of that whole bit. It really does. I'm looking at the bottle right there. It's it's so it's just right on my desk over there. Of course it, it is. Well, it said it said that you can store it. I'm looking at it right now. Here it is again, Matt. And it Hang says on. putting the camera back on. I've got my notes open. Oh, yep, there it is. There it is again. It it says um, can be stored at room temperature. So so I'm storing it at room temperature. Hmm. Um. Yeah, but, no, I don't have a lot to say about booch, except that I prefer it with very few flavorings. Oh, really? Okay. So what, do you go for just like one that's like a black or green tea or what? I mean, God, I don't know. I'm not like a fucking expert or nothing. I don't know what this is. This one's Which, called Pure, so make of that what you will. Here, let I me guess see the it's label. based on green tea. Syner- Synergy. Yeah, I know that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so I usually get this or I get the ginger one. Um either of those i just don't want i just don't want anything that's like i know they're gonna try and sweeten it my favorite well so i like the sweet ones my favorite is hum is the brand mm-hmm. um and so when i was in college uh when i worked for the newspaper we would at a certain because on the newspaper came out on thursdays so we would do copy editing and like prepping for print on wednesday nights and it was usually pretty late and the, uh-huh. and the newspaper office was in the same building as the student center which had like a little snack shop that sold kombucha in it. And so at some point during the night, we would say, oh, it's Bucha clock. And all of us <laughs> would go across the hallway and buy a thing of kombucha. Um, and that was always really fun. Sh- uh, shout out to Amelia. Shout out to Angelica. Shout out to Josie. All right. We did, a, we did our fun little traditional pod intro. Yeah. Give us some feedback. Let me know if you guys like those or if you just want us to get right into the, into the meat and potatoes. Um, uh, we're reading Monster, uh, and in this case, it's chapters 60 through 68, which is the back half of Perfect Edition Volume 4 and Regular Edition Volume 8. Uh, and um, this one is, this is a really good reading. Uh, I like this better than the previous two readings. I think I do too. By yeah. a lot, I think. I liked last week's reading a lot, or the last time's reading, like the Richard yeah. chunk. But I, I do think that this is this is more exciting. This feels exactly. most similar to, I think maybe the second and the third reading. I don't know. I would say I say I, I think this is this is a lot like the the reading where Nina was introduced. To yes. Me. Yeah. 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 Because there's like there's we're there's we're coming in on something. It's like. High stakes, lots of tension. It's a good balance of, like, there is still some investigation, and it's done very well, but it's balanced with a lot of plot items actually moving forward and seeing characters in new circumstances that are interesting. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's just got more momentum than last reading and the reading before. Definitely. Yeah, and that's kind of how this one is set up, right? Because if we remember, the last reading ended on kind of a cliffhanger where Dieter, uh, Reichwein, and Rudy have all realized that Tenma is going to do something terrible, and how are they yeah. going to stop him? I think it's also worth saying that um, 
this this current like story arc is by far the longest that we've had in Monsters so far. It's lasted three readings, and it looks like it's it's gonna keep going into the next one. You At know? least a fourth, yeah. You know, so like four volumes of Monster mostly focusing on on one thing uh, is a new mode, uh, a new mode for it because it was a, a lot more kind of episodic earlier. And yeah. so this is just interesting for us to kind of start like plotting, plotting that out how how the pacing of the overall thing is changing. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to start with chapter 60, which is called Verifiable. Um, okay. Rudy Gillen is back at the prison interviewing more serial killers. Before he can leave, Inspector Lunga of the BKA shows up to ask Rudy some questions about his recent visits to Munich and his relationships with one Dr. Kenzo Tenma. Rudy denies any knowledge of Tenma's whereabouts and tries to get Lunga to recognize Tenma's innocence, showing work he's done on the subject and on Johan, bringing up the trail of killings that have swallowed up anyone who gets close to this realization. Lunga points out that it's all a little far-fetched, and Rudy responds by bringing Lunga's method into question. His mnemonic device for perfect recall isn't really as objective as he hopes, and perhaps he staked his whole identity on being right about Tenma. Lunga appears to take this to heart and leaves with Rudy's polarized Tenma, at the same time asking one last question about Tenma that reveals that he's definitely in Munich. Lunga makes a call, asking for police reinforcements to catch Tenma, who we find is in the midst of buying a sniper rifle and doing lots of push-ups to prepare to use it. Yep. Uh, I think, minor note, you said a, a picture of Tenma, but it was a picture of Johan. Oh, a picture of Johan. You're right. You're right. That's my bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is what happens this chapter. A lot of... It's a... It's both busy and not busy. It's mostly a conversation, but it's a, it's a busy conversation, I guess. Yeah, it's um, cause we, cause we get, well, I mean, I guess it opens with just seemingly the most boring serial killer that we've seen yet, <laughs> just like a South Park edge lord of a of a serial killer saying it was so awesome the way I killed all these people. Like, come on, don't you want to hear more? And Rudy is like clearly exhausted by this, I think. And then he's, he's not even thinking about it. He's bored. Like he's, he's bored. his mind is on his mind is on the Tanma stuff. Like the guy leaves the room, and then Rudy's like. Damn, I wonder what Tenma's up to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's neat that this is where Lunga and Rudy have their confrontation. Because this is... Well, I wouldn't say that this is, like, the space where Rudy has the upper hand. Because, like, every most of the time when we see Rudy in here, he's getting his ass handed to him by a serial killer or some other one. Um, but this is, like, Rudy's natural habitat, I think, is this interview room. So it's it's cool to see the Lunga confrontation here for him. Yeah, and I definitely think that this is the closest we've seen, really, to Lunga on the back foot. Yes. Uh, it's really, like, it looks, it really looks like Rudy's got him, right? So, so the, really, the really cool thing that Rudy does is he notices uh, Lunga's... Lunga's little mnemonic device of ticky tacking the the keyboard, and is like, "You idiot!" So basically, Rudy's Rudy's telling Lunga that like, "Hey, you think that you think that this is an objective way of storing information, but as soon as it enters your brain, it's subjective." I have a tape recorder that shits outside my brain. That's objective, dummy. You know, um, yeah. Which is a great argument. Wow, that's really true. 
I think it's great because like up to this point, Rudy is on the back foot. Like as the as the thing starts, like he's sweating a little bit. There's a really good. There's two or three really good wide shots, right? Of Lung of Lunga and Rudy at the table, and Rudy like clenching his fists or like you know hands on the table or something. And they're just they're kind of going back and forth at it, and then all of a sudden Rudy realizes what he's got, and the whole tone shifts. Yeah, and definitely. I, I think it's 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 really fun. Um, do you have any notes about the conversation pre the shift? Because I have one that I think is mostly just like little jokes. I think. Um, um, not quite, but I do want to mention just like what you're saying about the different camera shots and everything. This conversation is maybe the best example we've had so far in the in the manga of what a face-only manga means. Mm. This scene is so tight. It's a shot of a face here and a hand there and just, like, kind of moving the camera around very subtly and getting different angles on people. Um, and it feels very intimate. It feels very close up. And it feels very tense. Um, and I just don't think you would get the same effect if you weren't willing to make sure that the characters weren't the big important thing. Yeah, no, I think I think it works really well. I think it stays exciting, um, which yes. is hard to do for just like a conversation, but it, it keeps moving. I think there's some good like reaction shots of Rudy when he realizes he's got, like especially when he realizes the bind that he's in, right? Where he, he can't reveal... You know, he knows Tenma's innocent, but he can't reveal exactly how he knows that Tenma's innocent because then he reveals he knows where Tenma is. So it it just puts him in like this this bind and that and that's really good. Um I think Lunga makes Lunga says something that I think is really funny where he talks about, you know, he knows that they're friends and friendship is a wonderful thing. Um, which I just think is funny because I can't imagine that Lunga is a person who has very many friends <laughs> where he would refer yeah. to like friendship as being a a wonderful thing um yeah but like he knows that that's the right thing to say like he's 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 playing this conversation perfectly it's it's a it's a very columbo like line yes as well that kind of that like just putting a little pressure on something mm -hmm. like not not enough for someone to complain about it or be like what are you trying to imply but just enough to just boop. just a little tap just a little tip yeah tap. um it's it's good um, do you have any other notes? Because I feel like I have I have talked a lot, I think, about this zone. I love it when you talk a lot. Um, it makes me feel like I'm I'm uh, taking over less. Um, I honestly, I, I think we've touched on most of the important stuff that matters about this conversation. Except there's one more thing, which is like, so... <laughs> so, you know, Rudy lays it all out for, for Luca, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, here's the facts, and here's a picture of Johan. And then Lunga stands up, and he's facing away from the camera. And he's like, I may have made a terrible mistake. And Rudy is like, oh shit, okay, all right. Well, okay, then I'll tell you where Tenma is. And I think I don't know how the readers feel, because I know what's coming, right? Uh, here's my question for you, Matt. Did you buy it? I bought it 100%. Yes, you thing. fucking like, did. I bought I fucking it 100%. Knew it. I know, like... Well, I, I wanted to believe that Lunga His could body recognize a mistake that he could make. Like, yes, it's so much yeah. more emotionally deft than, like, the type of move that I would expect him to make, right? Like, from yes. the way that he works. Like, he has dialed in, like, okay, this is what's going to work for this guy, and then does it. Like, yeah. I believed that he was like, yeah, I've made a mistake. I bought it. Yep, and then and then we see him walking out of the we see him walking out of the thing, and he's like, "We found Tenma, and he's got this 
fucking grin, this shit-eating evil grin. It's like a page widespread of just yeah. this horrible, like, the Grinch who stole Christmas, just big yes, old grin. Yes, yes. Lunga is quite Grinchy. Um, yeah. No, totally. When I first when I first uh, saw this panel, uh, when I was reading it uh, for this, I immediately texted it to Matt and I said, he's doing mischief. <laughs> it made me really upset when I got that. And I was like, <laughs> I hate this man because I fell for his trick. I fell for Lunga's trick. You fell for Lunga's trick. Yeah. Gotcha. I you wonder. Uh, I bet a, I bet a bunch of the listeners fell for it too. I think so. Write in yeah. if you also fell for Lunga's trick. Please, <laughs> please tell us if you also fell for Lunga's trick. Uh, and yeah, and then we see Tenma doing some push-ups. Buying a sniper rival, doing some push-ups. I love this sequence. I bet you do. It's your yeah. kind of montage. Well, the all the the thing that I well because this reminds me of Die Hard Two starts with a montage of a i think he's a dishonorably discharged general or whatever doing push-ups butt naked in front of a tv that's doing like the newscast that's the exposition for die hard 2 right so it's like the setup for this movie and the dude is doing like push-ups in front of the tv and it makes me think of that um i just like i just i just think it's good um that bit right there but the other thing that i really like about this is tenma's doing push-ups in front of the tv and they're talking about like shoewald and johan and all these conferences that are coming up and i think it ends i think this chapter ends if my notes are right this chapter ends on a panel of a shot of johan right like smiling at the camera and the announcer is about to move on to whatever comes next in this new bros- in this news broadcast and says, our next story, dot, 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 which just, I think is like so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's tasty. I love it. It is tasty. Yeah. This is also a short chapter too, clocking at about 20 pages. Okay. Which it makes sense. Fine. Yeah, I think it, um, it, it goes quick and I don't think it needs more than it has. I think it's, uh, it's nice. Okay. Chapter 61, After the Party. Lotta meets Carl in the hall to invite him to a dance. He's too busy. Uh, She goes to the library to do some research, learns a little bit of stuff, sees a pretty girl and thinks she's got it all. She, I believe she tracks Carl down and asks him again about the dance, and he's like... No, dude, I'm so busy. Uh, and she is real sad about it. Back at the library, does more research, and then talks to the pretty girl, who, we find out, is Nina Fortner. And they hang out, and they talk a little bit about their various forms of research. Uh, they, they compare notes. And Lada has an extra ticket to that party, so... Hell yeah, Nina, Lotta, party time. Uh, they go to a party, they have great chemistry, a dweeb from the Supernatural Club hits on Lotta, and we find out he's only doing it because Carl paid him to. What the fuck, Carl? And then Nina does Aikido on him. Lotta and Nina talk after they leave the party, and Lotta cries and says that you know, she, she, she's in love with Carl and helped him reconnect with, uh, with Shuval because she loved him. And now, like, he's never around anymore. And Nina comforts her and then gets in a bus and drives away. 
and Lada goes, hey, wait a fucking minute. She looks like Johan. That's chapter And 61. scene. Um, this chapter's weird, but I like it a lot. I really like this chapter. Oh, you think it's, you think it's weird? What's weird about it? Well, it just, it feels very different from everything that we've, well, maybe it's not very different. It feels different from what we've come across before, and I think there's a reason why it feels different. It's weird to see these characters in this situation, and I think that's almost the point, right? Is like, this is what girls who are in college should be getting up to, right? This is what college kids should be doing, instead of being caught in this horrible web of, yeah, exactly, right? Like, instead of being caught in this murder web. And I think it just, I think it works in that regard, right? Where it's like, it feels weird to see Nina Fortner at a dance, right? Um, but I, I yeah. like it a lot. It does. Yeah, it's even weird for her. It's also, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we've already talked about how how well Urasawa treats his characters, how much mm-hmm. he likes them. And uh, we have, we have a, a few chapters in this reading where characters that don't normally get the spotlight get the spotlight for a chapter. Yeah. And this is like... Having Lotta take point here. Oh, I'm is... so glad we got a Lotta chapter after how absent she's been since the the end of the initial Shoewald stuff. Like, I like Lotta a lot. Absolutely. No, I mean Lotta's Lotta's great. She's she's a strong enough character that she could have like her own fucking her own fucking like spinoff doing her I own thing. I think she could. Yeah. Fucking Lotta, uh, private detective. Um, you know. No, she's really fun, and we see how she's so crushed, you know? Oh, she's just, so it makes me crushed. so mad, like, how mean Carl is being either intentionally or not. Like, in the last chapter we talked, in the last reading, we talked about, like, how he just dumps his foster parents. And this one, it's like, he, the way that he treats Lada now, it's like, becoming Shuwalt's son, which is something he didn't even want to do. It has just consumed his entire identity, right? And it's just like, it's a bummer for everyone who was friends with him. Well, there's that. But I think there's also, there's something more to it. So the phrase he uses, you know, a lot is like, hey, what about these other unresolved mysteries surrounding Mm -hmm. your father? And the phrase he uses is, everything's settled. Right? And this, to me, echoes what Shuvald said to Richard in last reading, which is, Everything's resolved now, right? And right. like we talked, we talked before when Carl was introduced about how he has like a really expressive face, like he has a lot of feelings. We see him in these chapters; he's serene. He's pretty he's been blank. Yeah, I had noticed it until you just called it out right now. But that's a, that's a good catch. Yeah, you know, so it's clear, like it is intended to be creepy and weird that he's withdrawn that that he is now isolated johan's got him isolated that's an interesting way to put it like considering that like he is connected with his biological father but we're saying now he is more isolated than he was before that's that's interesting Um, that is true but i would not disagree i i agree like well it's kind it's kind of like his meaningful connections are gone exactly exactly you know it's it's almost like shuvald was a was a trap or or something like that. Um, I think for both of them is like my definitely. ultimate prediction for this is that this is Johan's trap for the two of them. Oh, and interesting things, but interesting things happen with result with regards to that later, uh, which I'm super excited to talk about. But yeah, so anyway, Carl, kind of weird. Carl, what the fuck are you doing paying somebody to dance with with Lotta? Like it's such that's a bummer. 
that's the biggest bummer ever. Like, it's something that you think would be sweet, but it's just, like, even worse than just, like, not even showing and up this in the guy, first place. Like, like, you've got shoe-fault money. Pay, like, a cool dude. Well, I do want to say, I think it's great that the leader of the Supernatural Club's name is Constantine. Right? Oh, yeah. You think that was a reference? This is the 90s. It could have I mean, been a reference. It could be. I don't know, but... I yeah, but then that name is so poisoned by John Constantine for me that I'm just I just think constant, it's very fun. It's constant time he would tell you. Yeah, I know, but he's lame. <laughs> Matt, I like um, look. I love Constantine, mm, but he's a poser. We're gonna have words about this. He's later. a poser. He's we're a poser. Have, if, no, no, mm, Matt, Matt, stop digging. Okay. You son of a bitch. Um, hey, I'm gonna go back a second. I'm gonna go back a second for something that that you couldn't that you can like that I'm gonna say. Um so the the sequence membrane himself. The sequence where Lada is watching Nina in the library, right, and like trying to figure out who this person that she's seen before is, we get we get dual sequences of them working on the computers. And I wanna say that the 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 onomatopoeia for Lada is uh clicking. And the onomatopoeia for Nina is clacking, which is truly the two sounds of using the computer sadly and excitedly. <laughs> is, that, is that true? Yes, it is. You looked it up? That's I looked it up. God, that's funny. Fuck. <laughs> God. The two genders. The two genders. <laughs> the two genders clicking, clacking. Um, That's a TikTok right there is hot girls using the computer and sad girls using the computer. <laughs> uh, it's really like after the second time she gets rejected, we see her at the computer and she's got her like head on her hand. Oh, it's and so she's sad. like, she's just using one finger to tap Clack. idly. Or click. She clicks. Click. She's not clicking. It's clicking. We established. Previously yes. established. Uh, just click, click. It's so, it's so sad. Um. And then her and Nina are talking, and she's like, you're so pretty. I bet you don't have any problems at all. Yeah, and, and I'm Nina like, just has the saddest look in the world, right? <laughs> Where she's like, damn, I wish that were true. Like, Imagine telling Nina Fortner she probably doesn't have problems. <laughs> it's, and I think the thing is, she knows that, like, Lada does not mean anything wrong by it. I yeah. think it's almost just, like, she's so sad because, like, she has Nina Fortner, of course, has problems, but also it just seems like she wishes she could be concerned with the trivial stuff that Lada is so concerned with, right? Yeah. And Lada is just so hurt. It's they're both valid. I love them both. I mean, obviously, I still have a huge crush on Nina Fortner. Like, no, 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 no lie, no, no surprise Matt, here. Uh, uh, Matt, Nina, Quinn, Lada, double yeah. date. Uh huh. Double date. Take him to the movies. Burger and a milkshake. Um, <laughs> uh, and they, these two honestly have really nice, really nice chemistry. Um, and it's cool to see a couple of ladies interacting. I like it. Around. Yeah. I don't know. Does this pass the Bechdel test? Do they talk about anything that's not men? I don't think they do. I don't think it. I don't think it does pass the Bechdel test. But it's but it's still something. nice. I like it. It's it reminds something. me of the. Um, I in college I got into briefly the Archie reboot, the one that Mark Wade and Fiona Staples did. Um, oh, that's a which team. I really liked, and this it's similar vibes to that, right? Where it's like we're doing mature like 
I mean, because this is a whole genre of comic, right? Is like teens, girls who are friends with each other, right? Like that's yeah. what Archie is originally. And it's like fun to see that in a weird, different, more weighty genre. I don't know. Yeah, it, no, I mean, you're, you're right that this chapter really feels like a, a strange intervention of another genre into, uh-huh. into Monster, uh, kind of for the purpose of contextualizing and being like, this shit sucks. Like, yeah, living so this sad. way really sucks. Return of the Aikido. Yeah, I loved it when she broke that dude's arm. Like, yeah, incredible. Fucking, Fuck yeah, Nina Fortner. Hell yeah. Um, I big, big fan. Uh, I like the, the end of this when they're looking up at the stars. Like, I really like that panel. Uh, where, where I think Nina, I, cause I wrote it down in quotes. Um, the bad stuff won't last forever. We can't let it. That gets to that refrain that we've been saying a couple times of, you know, tomorrow will be a brighter day. Um, comes up that, again later too. Yep. And it's always, that's a sentiment that I like a lot. Um, so. Good stuff. It's also it's also really refreshing to, you know, it's it is so grounding to spend time with someone whose concerns are more human and more yes. normal, you know, and to see Lada crying because the boy she likes isn't paying attention to her. Yes, like it's it's something that really like gives the reader like something to hook into and also to really. Be like, oh, here is where I, a regular person, stand in relation to the insane shit that's happening in Monster. You know, like, that's the, that is the gulf. That is the distance between how life should be and what our, and what the our main protects are going through. Yeah, yeah like, huh. yeah. Grounding is such a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. We, uh, wow, we, are, we got a lot of pod after, uh, out of 60. Yeah, I think we liked that chapter. It's I kind think of... <laughs> we did. We just we like Lada. We like Lada. We, we like, like Nina. Lada. We like Nina. Uh, yeah. We like it when they break men's arms. True. Who doesn't? Um, okay. Sixty-two. Uh, Sixty-two is entitled "Holy Land." The chapter opens with Tenma in a gun range, blasting away with a sniper rifle. The arms dealer remarks that he's a good shot, but the gun makes it easy. He gives Tenma four bullets, free of charge, and lets him know that if Tenma can get close enough, he'll be able to get the job done, no problem. We cut to Tenma in the forest, looking at Shuwald, Carl, and Johan through a scope, contemplating what he has to do. And then Johan turns and looks seemingly directly at Tenma. Tenma's alarmed and then caught off guard by a local elderly birdwatcher, who remarks on how often he's been seeing Tenma lately. Tenma continues to train, doing push-ups and losing sleep, hardly eating, which the people at the restaurants he visits begin to notice and eventually call him out for. The chapter ends with Tenma back in the forest, watching Johan before he vomits at the thought of pulling the trigger. He happens upon the birdwatcher, who is collapsed, twisting his ankle and passing out. After performing first aid, the birdwatcher tells his story. He grew up in these woods and was so friendly with the birds that they would land on his shoulders. When Hitler came to power, he joined the Nazi secret police. He followed orders to chase a fugitive into the woods and executed him. After that, the birds seemed to avoid him, and he has spent his life apologizing for that action. As he finishes his story, a bird lands on Tenma, and the two are moved to tears as the man announces, Never again will blood flow in these woods. Real powerhouse of a chapter. It's a big one. It's a big one. I just checked, it's only 24 pages, but it really packs a punch. Yeah. 
Um, what do you think about the the sniper rifle sequence at the beginning when he's training? That color is so fucking baller. It's great. my god. Like there's, I so there's this that, big yeah yeah. There's purple, and we really haven't had purple before. Yeah. So there's there's this big thing like Tenma spread across the top half of a spread, right? Uh, and he's got his uh, sniper rifle, and he's firing. And the background of that is this vibrant purple. Um, it is such a smack in the face, and has so much impact. Like, what I, I think it happened both when I was reading it the first time and when I was reading it to take notes today. I turned to that page and I went, whoa! Woo! It's good. I like it a lot. Um, I think it's a fun sequence. And I think it works to, like, get you a little, you know, because the arms dealer is like, you're good, but you're not that good. The gun's making it easy for you. And we as the readers who have seen Tenma, like, doing all this stuff are like, okay, dude, like, don't go hard on Tenma. He's our boy. He's a good shot. We know he is. Like, I think it works. Like, it gets you to gang up on this guy a little bit. Yeah, this guy's very shady. Extremely shady, man. You know. Um, uh, so, yeah, the the full color is good. How do you feel about, like, the monochrome color that it moves to? I really like the... I, and I mentioned this in the chapter where it started with um, Carl looking at all the people on campus. Mm-hmm. I think this comic so far has done a really good job with the gradual shift to monochrome. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Do you have, is, is there, were there any issues you had with it that you, that you called it out specifically? No, no, I, I like it. I think it's interesting. Um, honestly, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, I've been reading on my back quest at present. I'm in 2002 or 2003 and that's, I'm pretty sure I'm on the Rucka run okay uh the greg rucker run on on batman and i think detective but maybe mostly just batman but his entire run so far is that monochrome like there's only two colors that gets used okay um and so it's just like it's a cool style i think limited palette is always like if you know what you're doing with limited palette you can get a lot out of it um and like i don't know if it's the best example of it i've ever seen but i'm definitely not mad about it yeah, I'm a bit. I I just I don't think I've before this comic. I don't think I've seen anything where it goes that kind of. And maybe this is common to manga, but the idea of we're going from full color gradually to black and white. Um, mm. I and I I really like it. I think it works for me every time. Yeah, totally. Uh, character design for the for the old man is really good. I like his little hat. He's got a little bucket hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a little ex-Nazi, got a bucket hat. Nice looking old man, yeah, and it's just kind of... Uh, okay, so here's a question. In the in the first sequence where we're looking at everyone in the forest, did you think that he was lined up to take the shot? Is that... Because for me, it's like your expectation is we cut from Tenma doing the sniper rifle to looking at people through yeah, a scope. It's shot. like, this is it. We're about to take I the mean, shot. I mean, I... That's hard for me to say because I already... Right, that's one you of know those, how it like, goes primed things um but i don't think most people would be like oh yeah of course he's got a scope by itself and is just looking for practice like that doesn't make any sense to me i think most people would presume he's lining up the shot uh but i mean you're disavowed of that notion pretty quick yeah and i like that it's we're definitely giving more consideration to the it's it's showing like how much planning and care and consideration is is going into this he's he's putting the work in he's practicing um 
And it's fucking harrowing, too. Like, like, because the second place we see him practicing is, Johan's hanging out with a bunch of kids, and Tenma's it's just terrible. in the bushes with a scope, and, like, a kid runs in front of the scope, and, like, Tenma winces and puts it down, you know? And it's like, yeah, you fucking do. Like, I'm surprised you can do it at all um, with the fucking kids around. Like, Jesus Christ. But, you know, and so you really, you get a sense of, um, this chapter, you really see how determined Tenma is and how much he's destroying himself to try and make it happen. Everyone notices. Just random people yeah. at restaurants. Like... Yeah. Okay. Talk about this. So, Talk about this. So, he goes into a restaurant, and he gets some food, but he doesn't eat any of it, and then he leaves. And the waitress is like, God, he did, it's our best dish. He didn't eat none. And so then time passes, and then he goes back later, and he's sitting there, and the waitress comes back, and she's like, hey, you were in here last week. You didn't eat the food. Have some soup. You look like shit. Um... She this lady should have been a fucking yeah. bartender. Because that other fucker couldn't remember shit from yesterday. He couldn't remember somebody who ordered a bottle of whiskey from him yesterday. And she's just remembering this one guy from last week who didn't eat his food. And it's... it's and I it's guess, you know... I, and I, I think, unfortunately, what this just makes me conclude is that Urasawa just made the guy not remember. Yeah. Um, you know... Which, fair enough, your prerogative, they're your little, they're your little action figures, he can forget if you want him to. I just wish you had, you had done something to make it more plausible, because, because this lady remembering him a week later is what, is, that's how good the memory is supposed to be. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that as a bit. Um, I think it's, I think it's a fun bit how, Johan always seems to be able to look through straight at whoever's watching him. Like yes. through, through a scope, through a TV, through whatever. Like we don't know if he can actually see them or not, but I love that we always get the same shot of him just kind of like slightly smiling, looking directly at the person who's watching him. Yeah, looking right at the camera. It is scary. Um Matt, I regret to inform you that the secret police are rocking this week. Oh, is that who you've got rocking? That's who's rocking. Because I have he, a different person who's rocking, so I'll reveal it when we get to there. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. probably if we can avoid, if we can avoid Nazis rocking, we should avoid In no Nazis case, you have rocking. to give it to them. And he, and I, Matt, as I was writing the note, that's the exact thing that was going through my head. You do not have. <laughs> Gotta hand it to him. Yeah, I, um, I mean, but I know where you're coming from because I do really like this story. This is the, this is the the commando who trained Tenma. This is Bruno who who Nina lived with. This is those stories again, but it's condensed even further, right? Because it's, it's over I like mean, two pages. Um, well, it's also a different. So, like, if we're looking at these side characters as different perspectives on murder, different reasons, oh, different yeah. paths. Right, what makes this character a new perspective is that he was doing it for country, right? And was was following orders in Yeah, a sense, he says right? the thing, could, the you the, the cliche about he Nazis. Says, I was just, just following, following orders. orders. Yeah. You know. Um Oh, that's and, so good. Yeah. And I that hadn't makes him that. different that makes him different from Rosso because Rosso wanted food, right? Rosso didn't know to value human life. This right. guy knew he should value human life. 
but valued his place in in society more, you could say, or something like that. You know, he, he had orders to do. So it's just, it's another... Yeah. It's, it is another form of murder. Another uh, context for the taking of a life. And it's just interesting to me how, how Monster is just this, like, guided tour through the different reasons and and uh routines of 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 taking life yeah so i'm I'm gonna read i'm gonna read word for word the note that i made because i think it it links up with what you just said i said over and over again this comic is giving us frankly kind of corny stories of people who thought murder was their only option and then have spent the rest of their life regretting it but they work and it's daring us to realize that the mission that this comic is set up for us kill johan is not what we should be rooting for Right? Like, we think this is the only way that this should go, and it's showing us over and over again, no. Like, it's really, it's maybe the only option you shouldn't do. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I like this. I mean, it made me cry a little bit. I think it's, I mean, it's a bit much that the bird comes down and lands on Tenma's shoulder, but at the same time, That is a bit much. It's a bit much that the bird lands on Tenma's shoulder, and it's even more much... That that he says never again will blood run in these woods, and yeah. I'm like fucking can't be, like you could have. It's another instance of Urasawa just not being able to help himself when the reader could absolutely, one hundred percent make that connection. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else for this chapter? That's another it for me. good chapter. Oh, uh, we also forgot Tenma does Tenma does doctoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He does doctoring. And it sure was lucky for this guy that Tenma was there. How about that? Sure is lucky for him. Oh, actually, I did have one more thing. I forgot to... I forgot to... Did I... I wrote that down, didn't I? Surely I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, there's a bit... We see Tenma doing push-ups again. And the TV's on in the background, and it's like a prize show. And it has nothing to do with jack fucking shit. It's just like, here's the prize, a brand new RV, you know. Um, and it's just this really interesting choice that that really like, like there's Tenma doing push-ups, sniper rifle on his bed. He's here to kill a man. There's a prize show on TV. This guy wants to win an RV to go camping with his family. I will say the one thing that's nice about this is it cuts to, again, Tenma with the sniper rifle. And we still have a little bit of audio of the quiz show. And it's first question with Tedma lining up the sniper rifle, which I think is just like hard as hell. Well, it's not, not quite. Is that not quite it? Have I remembered it wrong? Because I don't have it right in front of me. It cuts to, it cuts to the sniper rifle on the bed. Okay. First question, sniper rifle on the bed. Okay. Yeah. And that still is pretty hard. I would say. It's hard as hell, but not quite. Yeah. Chapter 63, the children's view. We began with a couple of news articles. Many children fall to their deaths. Accidents or suicides. Dangerous child's play. We cut to Reichwein interviewing a survivor of this dangerous child's play. He can't get anything out of the kid. So him and the kid's mom leave. Dieter's there. The kid will talk to Dieter and tells Dieter that it was all a game. A really fun game. And he leads Dieter out of the hospital. Um and says a lot of really weird shit as they walk through town. Uh, he trips uh, an unhomed person and is real mean to him. 
walks across a busy road, all the cars stop for him, and he's basically like, yeah, the world's different now, just like he said it would be. He leads Dieter to the top of a rooftop. They gotta, they gotta play that game again. And he stands on the edge and he tries to get Dieter to stand up uh, and, and play the game with him, where they walk, walk towards each other until one of them falls. But Dieter won't do it, because Dieter likes food, and he likes Tenma, and he fucking likes being alive. And uh, he affirms that. A gust of wind comes by, almost blows the other kid off. Dieter saves him, and the kid admits that he's scared after all, and that he can't be like Johan. Dun-dun-dun! Bada bum! This chapter is really creepy. I I this chapter creeped me out. Oh yeah, big time, big time. It's Fucking just hell. every piece of it, right? Like the way it opens is so different from the way we're used to these opening, right? Like I don't know if we've had news clipping openings before. This is a new one. No, it's unusually non-diegetic uh for monster. Like monster is usually pretty good about like showing us stuff from the perspective of someone in the world or something like that, but this is, like, it's very much, like, 60s, the newspaper whirls up uh-huh. out of the screen, you know, children dead, and then it whirls back, and then another newspaper, you know. Uh, but it's it's an interesting feeling. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, I gotta imagine it's set up that this way, because, like, you have to know that backstory for this chapter to work, right? Like, you can't just be like, hey, kids are... This kid has fallen off a roof. Like, you have to realize this is in a chain of this happening. And then you immediately, your stomach drops as you realize, like, Johan works with children. Things are happening to children in Munich. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, well, here's a question, though. Because, like, okay. So this is how Urasawa chose to do it. Would it be successful? Do you think it would be successful if uh, he had, like had maybe a couple nurses talking to each other and are like, hey, you heard about all those kids falling off the buildings? I honestly think this works a little bit better. Like, I think that would have almost been tackier. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's... Maybe just because we haven't seen this before because it's novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a big bomb to drop no matter what. And, uh... Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, but yeah, this kid's a freak. I mean, he's designed to remind us of Johan at the beginning of the story. He's in the same configuration, right? Like bandaged head, that sort of thing. It's visually the same as Johan in the hospital bed in his coma and immediately afterwards, right? So then my mind jumps to like, is he trying to make more Johans? Which I think is the thing that I said in reference to him working it with is. children. It is, yeah. Um, And that just creeps me out even more, I think. Yeah, uh... The kid does say, um, the, our friend, the friend of the superior kids. Which is just so Nazi coded. It's not even like. You never, you never want to hear the word superior. Nope, never good. Just like, just like applied to people. Never a good thing. Red flag. not a good sign. (laughs) Red, black and red flag. Um, uh. Yeah, the kid just says a lot of really creepy shit about being chosen and... When you come back to life and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Ugh, he's really... 
I, I think that probably the summary like really gets most of it across. We don't need to like go through the list. Yeah. But but it's really uncomfortable. It's a very it's a deeply uncomfortable chapter and like Dieter's there. And you can see how fucking freaked out Dieter is the whole time. Dieter's like, what is going on? Yeah, it's um it's it's a lot. The 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 two notes that I had about like the sequence of, of Dieter following this kid are uh the way that the kid moves through the cars, like the heavy traffic, is almost like supernatural or messianic right you it the thing it called to mind for me is like jesus walking on water right as like this sort of thing right and that goes with what this kid has said about like when you come back to life everything's different blah 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 he calls um, himself chosen he says he was chosen yes he does um you mentioned the thing with the unhoused guy that frustrated me uh again i i don't think i've i haven't deployed the phrase cheap heat a lot like since the initial Dieter chapters but this to me is yeah i think it's just like because it's it's revolting right and i think we get the idea without this and you know i'm not one of those guys who's gonna be like this shouldn't be an art you shouldn't represent that or the other but like i think this is just a little over the top it is a little over the top the depiction of the unhoused guy in particular is dehumanizing yeah i i don't Um, love this um i don't love it i i'll not not to excuse this particular instance i will say uh especially in 20th century boys um there are unhomed people depicted with a whole lot of humanity so okay take that you know make of that that, make of that what you will but this particular instance sucks shit and could have been done better um let the let the guy fucking like say something. Let him speak. Yeah, instead of just kind of like trembling Gurgling. and cowering. It's yeah. no, it's it's gross. It makes me feel gross. Um, I didn't like it. Don't like it. What I did like was what did the you se- like, man? the sequence of the boy seeing how Dieter has been beaten. Somehow Dieter's shirt comes up when they're like I think wrestling mm-hmm. to go up a staircase or something. Yeah, and. The boy sees the wounds that Dieter has from when he was living with, uh, not Heinemann, what was the... Uh, Hartman? Hartman, when he was living with Hartman, right? And I, I like this, this sequence a lot, where then the boy is like, oh yeah, see, you're, you're just like us. I mean, kids are abused, kids are treated wrong, like, this is why we have to do this. This is why we have to be the way that we are, because like... The world is cold and hard, and doing this lets you realize that and go above it. Um, and Dieter, for a second, seems like maybe he's swayed by this, um, and I, I, I liked this. Yeah. No, like, yeah, it, it is, it is a not, not unpersuasive uh, tack to take uh, from a child to another child. Yeah. Which, like, like his exact phrasing is just like your parents did that to you and you still want to live in their world like by their rules you know yep you know like hey like that makes a that makes some sense that makes a little sense to me you know from again from the children's view um i i think we've touched on most of the important stuff the kid says but i think there's one more thing which is he he says this world is boring mm. and i think that sense of boredom uh, is because it feels like the other stuff that he's saying is stuff that Johan just said uh, and doesn't believe. Johan doesn't think he's better or worse than anybody else. Johan doesn't think he's a good or a bad person. Johan doesn't think he exists at all. Right. right? 
he doesn't care about supremacy. He doesn't care about superiority. He doesn't care about any of that. But the boredom is a thing because that comes up in a later chapter. But yeah, and I think that's interesting. Bored. Johan yeah. is bored. So yeah. So it's interesting to see like again, once again, Johan we we see what Johan is doing and what Johan is saying, but not how he's feeling, because nobody, nobody gets the the real thing. Not even these fucking kids that he is telling to to uh, play this fucking suicide game. You know, um, what's his fucking plan? What's his, what's he getting out of this? That's the other fucking thing about this. What the fuck? What's he getting out of this? Yeah, I have no Ugh. clue. It's so it's horrifying. wild. Um, it's horrifying. It's wild. Um, so, I mean, aside from this game being what Johan does in that sequence with Carl, right? Like, tiptoeing along the edge of a building. Um, wow, yeah, that's true. Man, aside... that's true. How did I forget about that? Oh, yep. fuck. Uh-huh. Um, so the one thing that, uh, Dieter says to this boy is he brings up, you know, in, in, when he gives his whole speech about these are the things that I like, you know, the world is dark, but tomorrow is going to be bright. That's why we have to grow up. I think this is an interesting idea. I, cause this isn't, I don't think we've heard this thing before, right? Like, yeah, things are dark and that's why you have to grow up. Right. Like being a child is dark. And so you have to become an adult. Right. Like typically I would say that's almost like a negative. Like I almost have a bad reaction to that idea, but I don't think that that's the way it's being deployed here is like, okay, you have to become a full person. Right. Like you can't be stuck in this helpless adolescence. Right. That, you know, Johan is selling to these children. Matt, Johan isn't just selling it to these children. It's Johan. Yeah. I mean, because what did we just say? We said that one of the things about Johan, he's bored, right? Boredom is a trait that you usually associate with, like, children, With right? a kid. They constantly, again, the, the child playing with a line of ants, Johan, yeah. Johan hasn't grown up. And also, and, and that is, man, that really resonates with stuff later. But the, the idea of Johan having never matured past, like, age five or six mentally or emotionally perhaps i would rather say the idea of johan as a child is i think something that is going to pay us a lot of dividends and i think that we should really keep that i think we should we should keep that one close um yeah I think let's we can let get that some go good shit out of that um okay chapter 64 chapter 64 humanity's legacy uh, Johan visits an unnamed boy who survived one of the rooftop walks and is delighted to understand the meaning of life and death. The boy laments that his mother just doesn't get it and has grounded him, and also expresses a morbid curiosity for more of Johan's games, including the one where a Japanese man kills him. Johan engages in an amused conversation with the boy and promises to bring him a picture book. At Aaron Schuwald's house, there's discussion of Schuwald's plans to donate all his books to the university and the accompanying ceremony for the new library wing, which will require some sort of security measures. Johan and Carl go to check out the library, and Johan is distracted, looking for a picture book for the survivor boy. A library attendant tries to help him, but knocks over a stack of books, accidentally giving Johan a children's picture book from an author in the Czech Republic. Johan is reduced to a shocked silence, and then screaming, and then tears, before passing out. Tenma shows up and decides this is where he'll have to kill Johan. 
Yep. Not a huge amount of things going on in this chapter. It's pretty for, quick. Except for the big important thing. Um, there's a couple of notes, though. Do you want to start off? I think the only... I mean, I, there's the jack-in-the-box for the Johan reveal at the start of this chapter, where yeah. it's, a, a boy is talking like to someone. We spent, three pages where, where we don't know who he's talking to. Right. I mean, we assume that it's Johan, but we, we don't know who it is, and so it's a jack-in-the-box mm-hmm. for him. Um, I, the, the only note that I had about that kid's monologue was the survivor sees death and the one who falls understands what it means to live. Cause I guess in the last chapter we had a boy who fell like seemingly to his death. And then this one, we have the boy who didn't fall, not the same boy, but a bo- a boy who didn't fall. Um, so it's like coming at it from two angles, but I don't really know if there's anything interesting to dig into there. Yeah. So the kid says, I saw death with my own eyes and it makes me think of what we are talking about about how monster is exploring different relationships to ending someone's life okay and i don't this this obviously isn't the same mode as the other ones but yeah i mean his mother says he doesn't seem to comprehend what he's done and i, and I think this is i think it is revealing part of what Johan is trying to do or wants to accomplish with this, which is he wants kids, he wants these kids to be so acclimated to death and to life-taking that, I mean, I, I guess we could say that he's trying to make someone like him. I, that's That seems to be the implication, that he's trying to find someone who approaches it the same way he does, um, who shares his values I don't know though. Yeah, that that I I I think even if he's not trying to make someone like him, I do buy what you said about he's trying to share the way that he sees these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, about death and life taking. So I don't know. It just continues to be very creepy. I think is is my big note for this. Like I don't like that he's allowed to work with children. Yeah, we're also another thing to note. His mom says you have to talk to him. I've tried. He listens to you. So, Johan is isolating these kids from their parents as well. Mm. He's always doing it. That's always number... That's his move number one. He does it in one way or Johan. another. Johan. Johan. I don't really have any notes about anything until the big moment in the end of this chapter. Nor nor I. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot else happens. Uh, it's a check. It's, it's, it's a checkbook. Um, and Czech Republic's come up a couple of times. Yeah, I think to so write, our General I, Wolf brought it up that those children had come across the Czech border and were maybe from even yeah. further east. Yeah, um, you know, so I, I think to the astute reader, like, they're like, okay, this is the third time that the Czech Republic has come up, and so I think that little flag, you know, maybe that's important. Uh, it is important. <laughs> Yeah, and then this really interesting sequence with uh, Johan in the book. How do you feel about this? I love this. So the first note that I have is he gets the berserk shadow around his eyes. Like the thing that happens to Guts when Guts goes like crazy mode. Like the dark kind of like shadow that seems to be coming out of his face. Um, And I'm a sucker for that effect. Um, He's physically unable to control himself. Yeah. We get a cool Dutch angle shot um of him standing in the library looking at the book and like you can tell the camera is like whooshing you know uh yeah. very very fincher to me 
that uh, yeah. that particular panel. Um, and then I have the spread. So this is page 316 and 317. I think this is incredible. So there's a it's a white void on the right page. It's three panels, uh, like shots of his face, and it doesn't quite line up. So it's not doing the thing where like you have a full shot of his face across a couple panels. It's like chunks of face kind of yeah, jacked it's, up. It's mouth, eyes, mouth. And you can see his teeth, and Johan's mouth is always closed. Once again, when teeth show up, that's the real shit. There we go. Yeah, because I have written, this is the most we've seen out of Johan. Like, so his face doesn't line up with the screaming, and then t- tears do over a pounding heart. Um, I, I love this spread. Yeah. The, the left page on the spread is where the real sauce is, though. Tell me about My it. My God. Well, the left page is, is fucking amazing because there are no panels. It's just the page, uh, and from the top, we see Johan's, like, like kind of from the bridge of his nose down to his chin. Uh, that's at the top of the page, in shadow, and there are tears dripping off of his nose and, and dripping down the page. Like, the page is mostly empty space, and it has such an unreal amount of impact. It's, uh... It's one of the best pages we've had in the manga so far. Definitely. Say. Like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. So, it's good. Yeah, do you have any, do you have any other notes before the end of the chapter? Uh, I have one small one, which is, the chapter ends with Tenma standing there and saying, this is where I'll... Yep, and it cuts off before he can commit. He doesn't say the word. Same yeah. note. Cool. Cool, okay. Yeah, quick chapter there, which is good because, whoa, this We've reading is long. really, yeah. whoa, uh, okay. And I don't, th- it doesn't seem likely that it's going to get any shorter because now we're going into the actually interesting No, it's, it's getting to go, yeah. Oh, buddy, we're in it, we're in it to win it. Um, chapter 65, The Deepest Darkness. Lada goes to the hospital to check on Johan is informed that he's been discharged, runs into the librarian that handed him the picture book, and learns about said picture book. Carl hands Johan a letter. It's from the Red Hindenburg. This is good news to Johan. Johan goes back to the Red Light District, and goes down a shady alley, and meets with none other than our good friend, Fake Margot Langer, who is now going by the Red Hindenburg. She recounts some of Johann's misdeeds, reveals to the readers that Johann was behind the death of Carl's mother, and threatens Johann with her boyfriend, who is behind the door with a gun. Johann is not bothered. He says, I saw an even deeper darkness and leaves. Fake Marco Langer's boyfriend comes out from behind the door. It's our trusted friend, Roberto. <laughs> here he is again. Roberto is here. Roberto, woo! Uh, Johan leaves, gets a balloon, gives someone some money for drugs, and Roberto... Shoots Margot Langer in the back of the head. 
Yep, that's what happens. Woo! Yeah. Um, I, this is I, a fun chapter. I think this chapter's fun. I don't think there's a lot to talk about, but this is like a fun chapter. You don't think it's... in? I think there's some stuff going on. Do you on. have a lot? Um, okay. I don't have a I lot. I have two lot. like big notes, and then I have like fun like, oh, I like this, I like that. Those are like most of the notes that I have for this. I would probably say that mine are the same then. All right, you go first, buddy. Um, the first note that I have is both of the girls brought flowers for Johan. Lada brought flowers. The librarian brought flowers. Yeah. I love that. I love these women. I hate the hold that Johan has over them, but it's, I think that's a fun detail. People like Johan. Yep. We're hanging out with Johan this chapter. This is a Johan chapter. We had a yeah. Lada chapter. We had a Dieter chapter. This is a Johan chapter. And I think it's our first Johan chapter. Last chapter kind of was as well. I suppose. No, yeah. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, this is the that's first true. True. chunk of Johan chapters that we've had. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, we have another prostitute with a fun character design. I like her yeah, hair. Yeah, the trumpet girl? Um, not the trumpet girl, the one he asks for directions. Drugs. Oh, oh, directions, directions, yeah. Before we even get into the alley with the three cursed women. Yeah. Man, she's... They're all... Uh, they're all cursed. <laughs> yeah. Man, they're really The trumpet cursed. girl is terrifying to me. That's, uh, that's out that's of a David Lynch one. film. Yeah, it's she's really, so scary. It's Lynchian. It's Carolian. And then we've got this, this fucking creepy girl with the balloons. It's very... It's you a can't really see balloon weird... girl's eyes, can you? She's got, like, bangs no. down over her eyes. It's very scary. It's very, it's very scary. Uh, my note for her is, creepy balloon girl is not my gender, but she is a gender. <laughs> I think. I agree, I think. And she, she gives Johan a balloon. She gives leaves. him a balloon. I did like that. I appreciated yeah. that at the end when he leaves and gets a balloon. Yeah, he, he asks, he's like, hey, can I have a balloon? Yeah, I also like yeah. that he gives, he gives drug woman some money. He's like, buy yourself some drugs. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, he's got this nice he's got this nice smile and he's like buy yourself some drugs have some drugs on me fake Margot langer says don't get any funny ideas he's waiting right behind the door and he's got a big gun in more ways than one did you know it was roberto roberto's got moment? a big dick roberto <laughs> fucking roberto is packed and stacked and always has that motherfucking thing on him I I love how he's just silently behind the door and he'll just occasionally like knock and he goes tuk, yeah tuk. yeah <laughs> packed stacked strapped Roberto. our guy Roberto our trusted friend this this guy is fucking all over he is everywhere I love how many times in the last couple of readings random people have turned out to just be Roberto I think it's been every time for the past three times <laughs> maybe four. And it like it, I every time you're like, well, it can't be Roberto again, but there he is. It's and I'm always happy. I'm always thrilled when Roberto shows up. It's so I I do think the only problem with it is that it gets funnier every time. It has been. This is the fourth reading in a row because I'm thinking about it. It's the original <laughs> Roberto reveal. It's yeah. Roberto and Ava. It's Roberto mm -hmm. in the therapy office, and now mm -hmm. it's Roberto in the it's, prostitute's den. This one, oh my god, it's so funny. I love this. I love oh, it. It's so fucking Do you funny. have any thoughts about the nickname he gives her, the Red Hindenburg? The Red Hindenburg. 
Uh, she gives her. She gave it to herself. To no, I think fair. he called her the Red Hindenburg. She was. The, she went by Red Sophie. No, no. She said first you were Margot Langer, and now you're the Red Hindenburg. Uh, I think it was before Margot Langer is how I interpreted it. Is that before Margot Langer she was Red Sophie? Okay, but doesn't she say her lover calls her the Red Hindenburg? Oh yeah. Anyway, that's what my lover calls me now. So, oh, so maybe she came up with it. I don't know, but I, my only, I was like the Hindenburg. I mean, it's big and full of hot air and goes down in flames. I don't know. That's. (laughs) I mean, she's a big lady, and I expect her dress is red. So okay, yeah, is uh, is what I figured it it was, uh, and she really, she is doing a really good job of trying to intimidate Johan. If Johan wasn't Johan, I think she'd be. It would work. She goes for it. Yeah. Yeah, like, she's, she's like, playing the game, she's chain-smoking, wasn't it convenient when Margot Langer passed away, you know, um, she's really putting the screws to him, and Johan doesn't give a shit. No, because he says, what does he say, he's no longer interested in Shewald? Yes, okay, so that's the fucking thing, right? Like we said before, we're in the middle of Johan's plans, he's got some plan going for Shewald. He doesn't care anymore. He's bored now. He's bored. Something. So this is the thing. This is the thing. Johan is like, I thought I saw... What does he fucking say? I thought I'd reach the darkest place possible. But in fact, I went beyond that. I saw an even deeper darkness. One, he looks creepy as fuck when he says that. He's got his big... He's got his open eyes. And he's not smiling. It's nice and creepy. It's fucked up. So, but what this is... What makes this really scary, what makes it a truly frightening moment, Johan has undergone character development, which is not something a villain's supposed to do. Oh, interesting. His his goals and priorities have changed. We know it's because of the picture book, but a character that we already did not know what the fuck they were doing now has a completely different plan. That's even less predictable and even more fucked up. Mm. It's interesting. So, because the next thing he says is about the I don't exist, right? Yes. Okay. And this is, this is again, the thing that we talk about all the time, right? Like, you know, if, if you don't have any connections, if everyone who knew you is gone, do you exist, right? And that's what that, that calls to mind for me. What General Wolf said. True. I think someone else said it last week. Maybe they talked. They talked about Schuwald before yeah, Carl came Shewald. back into his life. This was what Johann did to Schuwald: yeah. was got rid of everyone that knew him. Um, so is this Johann coming to the realization that he also does not exist, or I don't is this think the, it's a new I don't realization. Know. Yeah, I don't think it's a new realization. Uh, I just right. think it's the first time we've heard it. Yes. Um, yeah, but that's a, that is a good point. Johann has strategically made sure that nobody knows him. He has designed himself and his life so that he does not exist. He has kept himself isolated, the same that he does to his victims. I meant to bring this up during the Lunga-Rudy chapter, Um, you know, because one of the things that... So Rudy pulls out his research and says, like, hey, I've done all this stuff to prove that Johan is the one that did this. And Lunga looks at it and basically says, like, this is all coincidence. This is so far-fetched. 
And like, that is the thing that you and I have talked about, right? Is that this manga is driven by a web of coincidences, right? And like, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it's almost fun to imagine that like, Johan creating this web of coincidences as another layer of defense is like kind of fun to think about, right? Like, no one would ever believe this. It's too tenuously connected, you know? Like, Johan is definitely the kind of fictional mastermind that can only happen only because exists fiction, in a manga. right yeah like this is like johan is all batman gambits yes. um which uh for the listeners a batman gambit is specifically a gambit that revolves around you being able to perfectly predict how people will respond to what you do at all times and if they do anything that you don't predict everything goes wrong that's all johan does and it works every time because it's fiction um but man, does it make it's for some always fun? Reading. It's so yeah, yeah, it's so exciting every time it happens. Yeah, um, and yeah, I don't exist. Uh, that's gonna be that's another thing that's gonna come in handy later on. Um, what a chapter! What are you? What a what a cool chapter! Yeah. And even though Roberto didn't get a huge spotlight, hey buddy, we love to hey see friends. our friend Roberto. We love to see our trusted friend Roberto. Chapter 66. Shining a light. Okay. Um, quicker summary here. This is another Tenma helps out the local doctor chapter, but this time he's in an underground clinic in Munich with his sniper rifle. Um, the doctor in question this time is a young Vietnamese girl who immigrated to Eastern Germany with her dad and took up doctoring after he was murdered by neo-Nazis when the wall came down. She operates on the local marginalized population who can't go to hospitals for fear of being deported. Tenma helps pick up the work so she can rest after two straight days of working. The two operate on a sex worker who's been shot, and then Tenma reveals why he came. Uh, He has heard that when fake Margot Langer, uh, the Red Hindenburg, was shot, this doctor was the first one on the scene. It was an execution with no emotion or sense. Tenma realizes it was Johan who is falling further and further into darkness and gets back on his way as the doctor begs him to stay considering that perhaps the one falling into darkness is Tenma. Matt, you ever get the feeling that maybe uh, the path Tenma is on is, like, less than ideal? Hey, maybe. Speaking? Yeah, I think, I'm just realizing it this week, that maybe yeah, this just... thing that he's doing is not good. Yeah, like, I don't know, I was really, I was really with him. Uh, up until this I was point, here for then... his journey to murder a a uh, possibly mentally injured boy until now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and then well, then she said, then she said that thing about how he's falling into into an even deeper darkness. Yeah, I never thought go, of that. That we thought Johan was the darkness, but maybe it is Tenma yeah, exactly. Who is, exactly. Yeah. It seemed like Johan. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this bit only gets funnier every time we do it. It really, it really does. Um. This this is a cool chapter though. This is a chapter that I think about a lot. Um just because like it's a like it's cool that Urasawa is spending time in these like communities of racial minorities yeah. and like what their lived experience is like. Like holy shit. Um you know, so the Vietnamese community and again, we've been talking before about how Urasawa depicts race. Check out these Vietnamese folks and see how He's added new, he uses different phrases uh, in his uh, physical, like, vocabulary. These guys have different facial features um, than, than other racial depictions we've seen. 
And we see some Japanese people in the next chapter as well. Their faces are still constructed differently. So it's just like, I don't know. This is just one of my favorite things about his art style is how much care and attention he puts into into this. I think it really adds to the verisimilitude of uh, of the work. Yeah, I like this a lot. The other thing I like is I think we've been getting more and more marginalized which, with each of the yes. communities. So, like, first we had the rural community that Tenma was with, right, with the with that doctor. Ooh. Then we had the uh, Turkish Quarter. Yeah. And now we have, these aren't even just immigrants. These are refugees, right? And they're at risk of being deported is kind of the, is the thing that um, the doctor brings up, right? That's so a really good point. So we're getting more and more marginalized as we go. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think this is maybe my favorite style of chapter is Tenma is helping a local doctor. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of these just all around. This might be the last one we get, to be honest. That's too bad, but I, that makes sense. You know, I, I think there's only so much we can wring out of it, right? And this feels like if it's the last drop, it's a flavorful one. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, the Vietnamese doctor character is really good. She gets a ton of character building mm-hmm. uh, in a single chapter. Like, in a single chapter, you really get her whole deal. And it's a good, it's a good, cool deal that really, like, is talking about some real shit. Uh, and it just struck me as you were reading the thing. Her dad was killed by neo-Nazis that came to Munich after the wall came down. It's the fucking baby. That's the baby. Oh, it definitely is the baby. It's the fucking baby, that son of a bitch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and another thing that's really interesting is, like, the racial praxis on here is fucking, uh, honestly, out of this world. Yeah, there's a bit um, that I didn't bring up in the summary, but I know we had talked before that, that, you, that you really liked. Do you want to get into detail on that? Yeah, I will. Um... She says, I'm just going to read some of her lines. Some thugs calling themselves neo-Nazis killed my father. Because his skin was a different color, they just killed him. Fucking A. Good God. Then she says, I was put in an orphanage. A German family adopted me, but they only took me out of a sense of charity. Poor little yellow-skinned girl. Ufa fucking doofa. Urasawa's getting into performative adoption. Damn. Yeah, it's... Fucking I, damn. That's going in. That's going in hard on, like, some actual shit that actually fucking happens. On, like, what it means to be marginalized and how even, like, quote-unquote well-meaning people are just being fucking, like, colonialist weirdos about it. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's good. She, 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 accomplish, she accomplishes a lot narratively in, in very few pages. Um, I, I, I like her. Her and Tenma have a good thing where like, you know, he's, he's shocked that she's as good of a doctor as she is. You know, he's kind of like gently saying, you know, making her let him help. Um, they have some conversation about like, you know, you need to go to school so that you can do this because like you're talented. Um, and this is a, it's, it's some real pull yourself up by your bootstraps, go to the West and you can, this is a land of real opportunity thing where he's like, this is a place that rewards people who, you know, deserve it. Um, which is maybe a little bit more idealistic than I feel, but I still think is like, you know, a nice sentiment at least. Um, it's, I, I like the interactions between the two of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, and her response to that is also pretty nuanced, which is, which is just like, Hey, asshole. 
what do you think happens to all these people who can't go to the hospital if mm. I go off to your fucking medical school? Like, they need me here. Yeah. Which, fuck, hard to argue with that big guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, and, then, and then the prostitute comes in, you know, and she's shot, and, and the doctor is like, hey, I can't do this. And then Tenma, and then Tenma rallies. As long as a patient's still breathing, don't give up on them until the very end. You love to That's see it. fucking cool. It's nice, you know, and it's nice to just be like, oh yeah, this is Tenma. Like, this is who Tenma is. He's a good doctor. This is the first thing we know about Tenma, is he is a good doctor, and he continues to do it, even in this. I had one note about when they have the discussion of Margot Langer being executed, um, the way that the, that the Vietnamese doctor talks about it is she says that they just killed her. There was no sign of passion. There was no, it wasn't any of these things. It was, they just killed her, which is exactly the way that she talks about her father being murdered, right? Oh, was, yeah. they just killed him. They just killed it's, him. Hey, that's true. It's the same arbitrary evil um, in both cases. Arbitrary evil. That's a good phrase to, that's a good phrase to Ooh. pull in. Yeah. And then she goes, <laughs> and then she goes, hey, uh, hey, Tanma, are you, are you gonna, are you better, like, go, like, kill somebody or something? And then he gives her the sad over-the-shoulder smile. No! Not the fucking sad over-the-shoulder smile. Sad Hulk again. He walks, he walks off down the road. It really is another sad Hulk moment. It's so funny. So, yeah, it's a good chapter. It was. I was surprised when it showed up, and I, like I said, I always like this this style of chapter. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Um, I honestly feel like we could probably say more about it, but we're running. I don't so have too long. much more to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, I guess that, I feel like there's more conversations to be had about it. Not right now, but like. If we ever have a Discord, I feel like there's, like, some fruitful stuff in this chapter. I don't know. Uh, okay. Chapter 67. I am Tenma. Listeners, I'm grimacing in advance, just so <laughs> I you know. I love, I love this chapter. In this chapter, Lunka's a racist. <laughs> That's the whole thing. I'm glad you're here at the top. Like, that's, I, I don't even, like, fine, I'll summarize. Lunga does some investigating by meeting some Japanese people who knew Tenma when he was in university uh, to get some information and to try and put himself into the mindset of Tenma as a Japanese person. God, it is the funniest shit imaginable. And he also is a bastard to his family along the way. Um, so he's really, he's, this is Lunga firing on all, all cylinders. Uh, let's get right into it. Oh, um, do you have any notes about the beginning, all the Domo stuff? Um, it, well, <laughs> it's really like, look, we're a couple of fucking, we're a couple of fucking white dudes in 2023, right? There's clearly cultural context here that we don't have. Here's my guess. Here's my best guess. I think that these characters are a satirical depiction of Japanese business culture 
Yes, that's what I've written as well. Right. Like, specifically business culture, specifically, like, salesmanship, it feels like Urasawa's making fun of him. Like, it feels like he's, he's like, poking, poking some fun, making a joke to me. Yeah. So I'll say I'll say two things about this. One is like to kind of confirm what you're saying. So I work in automotive. Um, that's my my day job, and a lot of the guys that I worked under when I started, who had been in automotive for a long time, a genre of story that they would like to tell about the old days was when Japanese companies, specifically Japanese automotive, came to the states. And a thing that you hear all the time is people talking about the way that Japanese companies run their plants, right? And like the kind of awe and respect that these guys have for the discipline and like culture of those Japanese companies expanding into the States in like the 90s and late 80s. Um, So I think like what you said, I think there's probably something there. Like if you think about it, this is when Japanese technology is taking over the world, right? Like Sony and... yeah. but the funny thing, so like, so we see these these uh, Japanese businessmen um, talking about playing around a golf domo domo, a lot of domos all around, and then we cut to Lunge being like domo domo, huh? What an inscrutable people! Which is <laughs> <laughs> the funniest fucking line. It's so goddamn. It's so funny that Urasawa is like, what is what would a weirdo outsider? think about this if if he was looking at it um it's it's just funny to have like a japanese dude writing like trying to put himself in the shoes of a white dude trying to put himself in the shoes of a japanese dude um it's it's just the effect the effect really is primarily comedic and i don't know if that's how it's supposed to come across i think there's no other i think it has to be it has to be right but it's like, especially it's, you imagine that a Japanese person reading this at the time would think this was hysterical. Probably. I think you're probably right. Um, I, I will say the next thing that happens that is very true to life is when Lunga talks to the guy and he, he deploys Domo. He, Lunga uses a Domo and the Japanese businessman is very impressed, right? Is the thing. And Quinn, this is 100% the experience that I've had. So the, the parent company of the, of the company that I work for is based in Spain. So occasionally I have to work with teams based out of Spain. And they love it when I try to speak in Spanish. Their English is perfect, <laughs> right? Like, it's, right, like, right, first right. of all, all these guys can speak perfect English. And they always start off all of our conversations by apologizing and saying, hey, my English isn't very good, right? Which is a lie because their English is great. And then they love it when I stumble through my high school Spanish. They're, oh, so, so impressive. So to me, this was very true to life. I was like, okay, I, this, is, this is good to me. Yeah. It's a privilege no, it's we take good. for granted, I think is the thing, right? That, it really like, is. Lingua, lingua franca. Crazy how colonialism works. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fucked up how that happens. But yeah, he does, he does some... Uh, investigating and and basically it's just like learning about japanese culture and there's a really fucking funny a really funny scene and an already funny chapter where lunga is looking at himself in the mirror and he's holding chopsticks and he says i am japanese 
Domo. I am Japanese. I am Japanese. God. Um, fucking Lunga. Insane so behavior, but it's very funny. Unhinged. Um, and then he gets a call from his family, and his daughter is like, I know we've had our ups and downs, but I want you to see your grandchild. What an angel. She's so nice to her very strange autistic dad. Um, Unfortunately, we know that in the comic monster, whenever you make plans with your children, things will go bad. Something bad happens, although it's not the usual. In this case, what happens is Lunga learns from one of Tenma's acquaintances that Tenma isn't close with his family. And so then, when provided an opportunity to not go meet with his family, he thinks, oh, well, this will get me closer to Tenma's head. And so then he fucking just no-shows on his grandchild. And we see her in the cafe just sitting there alone. It's so sad. I hate it. It sucks. It sucks. And he also, he has his devil grin on when he makes the decision. He always has that devil grin on when he's like, oh, I can I can do something, do something re- terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Tenma, something twisted. I'm about to do something extremely wicked. You know. Fucking Lunga. I thought it was interesting, the reveals that we get that Tenma, like you said, that Tenma's not close with his family. Tenma doesn't really have any connections to friends or to Japanese culture. And he's really mostly unremarkable aside from being a very good doctor, according to these guys. Yeah. Um, we. It's interesting that we are learning these interesting background facts about Tenma secondhand. Yes. Tenma has, Tenma like never talks about his past. Like he talks about his like parents clinic a little bit, but that's about it. And I never felt like it was missing, but now we're learning this stuff. And this is like, we're kind of like, oh, well, this is sort of interesting context for Tenma. Yeah. Well, they bring up, the Japanese guys bring up like Tenma's being the center of this murder investigation made the, the, it's, they're called the wide shows in Japan, which are like global news. And it's like, everyone knew about it. Like it was scandalous. And they make a note of like, yeah, he didn't go home, and his parents didn't, like, go out. It was, like, kind of weird. Yeah. You know, he's never once gone back to Japan. Um, and and then Lunga goes out for karaoke. Um, I love this sequence. I love the needle drop that they're singing My Way by Frank they're Sinatra. They're singing My Way! Oh, man, it's a Regrets. funny needle drop. I've yeah. had a few... As Lunga regrets not meeting up with his grandchildren. I don't think he does. I think yeah. he's focused no on regrets. the job. Too yeah. few to mention. Ugh, fuck. And there's a cool thing where he's like getting into Tanma's head and he's like, I am alone. Um, which we've never really thought about Tanma that way, but Yes. That dude's that dude is alone. You know, or at least like he's he was already kind of isolated and and then he made some connections and now he's trying to isolate himself again, but it's, we never really thought about Tenma as alone. It's a good reveal coming from a very unexpected source, right? Hugely. Yeah. And that the, when Lunga says that there's a great, it's a great panel because we see Lunga sitting on the couch, you know, and, and these like having these fun, having Japanese businessmen, uh, up front, you know, and, Everything in the panel is a little grayed out with a bit of a staticky texture, mm-hmm. except for Lunga that's in perfect focus. Um, and it's a really... Hello. It's, it's Urasawa reminding us that, like, 
He's not he's not a show off, but he's no slouch. It's good. Yeah. Um and one uh, and so the Japanese businessmen are like, "Hey, how was that meeting? Like, like you were over there in the Czech Republic. Did you get that picture book for Shuvald's assistant? You got to get in good with the assistant, you know, if you want to get in good with Shuvald. And that picture book is, in point of fact, the picture book that Johan had such a strong reaction to. Lunga types it into his brain, and then we see him looking through a dictionary uh, to translate it. Matt, that's the message that the monster inside me has grown. Left for Tenma, yeah, and it's in Czech. Podovete se yet. Ooh, listen to you. Listen to me. I know a little. I know a little Czech, just a little bit. Um, I like this Rosta, reveal Rosta. that it came from the picture book. Like I was like, oh, when yeah. this happened, yeah. You know, and well, and it's also because it's a cool reveal. Because Johan, I think we can assume from his reaction to the picture book, didn't know about the picture book. Yes. But he was repeating something from it, not even knowing. Or he had forgotten about it or something. And this was so buried in his psyche. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's something, it's so, in even deeper darkness. And it just makes you as the reader go like, what? Like, what does this mean? It's an awesome, it's an awesome, like, final, final reveal. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else for this chapter? I think we None hit all the, all the big yeah. stuff. I am Japanese. I am Japanese. I am Tenma Domo. I think in the dub, I've seen a clip, I've seen this clip from the dub because obviously it's an extremely clippable clip. Um, and I think he says specifically, I am a Japanese man, <laughs> which is even funnier. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, uh, no. <laughs> chapter 68 unnamed hero okay last chapter of the night rudy gillen interviews another murderer who knows and admires johan and refers to him as quote his hero the man reveals that his next move if he was johan would be to murder his current parents concurrently reichwein shows up at the liebert's house and tries to convince them that johan is dangerous he is ultimately unsuccessful and leaves, distraught and frustrated, realizing that these Lieberts live for that boy. Rudy talks to the murderer about the game that the children have mentioned, where Johan will be killed by a Japanese man, and the murderer laughs, saying that Johan could survive a nuclear apocalypse. Rudy and Reichwein meet and compare notes, trying to figure out how to stop Tenma, and Reichwein decides he has no other option but to meet with Schuwald and tell him everything. Meanwhile, Tenma goes to the library and hides his sniper rifle, before running into Lata, who is looking for a Czech dictionary for the picture book that caused Johan to collapse. They talk for a minute before Lata leaves, and Tenma climbs into place on the stacks to take a shot at Johan during the ceremony. Yeah. This chapter's fine. Yeah, I, this dude who we open with, he's a greasy freak. He's so greasy. He's a really, he's another serial killer with a fucking serial killer ass design. He's got the greasy fucking hair. He's got like a little fucking uh, sex offender mustache on him. He's got to be French. (laughs) 
Matt, coming Sorry out swinging the against French, the Frenchies. But... I ju- like, we just, like, insulted this guy twice, and Matt immediately says he's French. He seems French. He seems like Pepe Le Pew. I, oh boy, we're gonna really hear it from our French <laughs> listenership this All time. All one of them. Yeah, we really, you know, we almost lost him before, and now we're, this is it. This is the last straw. Um. God. Uh. There's a good jack-in-the-box where we turn after the serial killer says his next move would be to kill the parents, and we turn the page and they are not dead. Reichwein has shown up at their house and they're, and they're still alive. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's true. There's, while Reichwein is talking to them, there is a small, like, cool uh, visual thing that I just want to note. Bottom of, bottom left, page 393, uh... Reichwein flops down the dossier they've got on Johan, and it uh it exits the panel, goes outside the panel, flops oh. out into empty space. There was room for the panel to do the whole thing, you know, like it's not a big thing, but it's just like another fun instance of of uh, Urasawa being like, oh, I'll I'll throw out a little fun something here. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, um, the next note that I have is, because they get in kind of an argument, right, where Reichwein is trying to get them to admit that, you know, this was someone that they took in, right, that made it convenient for them, these two sad people. And I think the father says, like, he's a good boy. And Reichwein says, like, he's lived with you for five years and you don't know a single concrete thing about him, right? Yeah, he he asked him about them and they can only say the most general things. Ugh. It's just, it's really sad, I think, on top of it. I mean, like, obviously it's a little bit creepy, which is what we talked about when Richard was interviewing them. But also, it's just, like, I, it's sad. I mean, it's like, this is a couple that lost their child and, like, have been manipulated in the same way that Johan manipulates everyone, right? Um, it's just, it's sad. The sad part about it to me is that, that Johan's enough for them. He has given them nothing mm. he has given them nothing real of himself but they were so desperate to have anything after their loss that it's enough and and they're satisfied that's the thing the, really... the thing that kills me is at the end of this sequence i mean because like what you just said like that's heartbreaking but the end of the sequence is like the serial killer has made it clear these people are goners and as Reichwein's walking away, like, they step out into their garden and they look at their apple tree and they say, like, I think we're going to have good apples in the spring or something like that, right? Yeah. It's just, oh, it's so sad. And it's like, Reichwein, like, it's not even that he's upset at them. It's just he, like, he pities them, I think. It's, it's you know, I mean, you're walking away from two people you know are dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and you tried fucking everything. You put everything on the table, and it dropped into empty space, into a vacuum. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't hear a fucking word. They didn't respond to anything. It's really, you know, I mean, they're not connected. They're not connected with reality at all. Yeah, and that's. I have known. I have known people like that. I have been in that situation, and it is. It's the stuff nightmares are made of to tell someone something that you know is true and and they don't hear it. Not to get too real on this media analysis podcast, <laughs> but I've just been there is all. 
Um, uh, I think another thing is that we, uh, the line of ants is back. Yeah, it comes back. I think it works better here. It works better here, and it would work even better here if it wasn't where it was before. If this was the first time we'd heard of it, then I would, then I would go, oh, you know, um, but it comes up here, it works good, and Rudy, no, Reichwein has a great fucking line. Uh You want to hit this one, Matt? No, you you hit it. You hit it. Reichwein is pissed off. He hears the thing about messing with the line of ants, and he says, even ants have souls. It's hard as hell. It's, like, so goofy, but, like, it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. How does, he do, how does Urasawa do it? Well, okay, so I, I, I will say. I will say this does call to mind... Uh, uh, this calls to mind a, you know, one of the parables of Jesus, right? You know, the Lord cares even for the sparrow, right? Classic one, you know, Mm. um, that's what, that's what I, that's what that one makes me think of, but it is, I, you know, Jesus did not say even ants have soul and it's like, it's, he wasn't quite there. He wasn't going as hard as Urasawa was. Yeah. Um, Uh, you heard it here first. Urasawa holier than Jesus. No, I said Urasawa went harder than Jesus in this instance, in that story. <laughs> my, my bad. No, you're right. Completely, it completely took you out of context there. <laughs> I think it's fun when Tenma and Lotta are in the same place at the same yeah. time, and neither of them know each other or know that they're both kind of working at the same problem. Uh, it's this cool, like, ships passing in the night, and you're like... Please, please realize, Lotta, stop him. Lotta, but Lotta doesn't know what the fuck is going on. She's just there for a book. Yeah, I love that she's still at it. Like, I love that she's yes. like, she's, she knows that she has to do this. And she's, she's still going. She's trucking along. Um, I have the notes from the little bit of translation that she does. I guess the story starts um, about a hero with no name. He couldn't understand how. A monster. Uh, oh, important do you difference. Have it? Yeah, can yeah. You read I'll it? just, I'll just read it. Like I imagine, we're going to read the text of this book a number of times in this podcast because it okay. goes hard. Um, so listeners, just settle in for that. Long, long ago, in a land far away, there was a monster who had no name, and we're seeing this. She's reading this out loud, like over Tenma climbing the fucking uh bookcase with his sniper rifle. It's it goes so hard. There was a monster who had no name. The monster wanted a name so badly, he couldn't stand it. So the monster set out on a journey. And then the library closes. And we have this fucking killer shot of, like, Lotta in silhouette. Um, this, like, this hard, hard as hell, black and white. Black and white shot. Hell yeah. Um. Yeah. That's so good. I think are we at segments? Because my proposal yeah, for who's, segments. My yeah, proposal who's, for who's, who's rocking was Japanese businessmen purely based on the karaoke segment and how much fun they're having, and also all the demos that they do. Okay, here's the problem. Rockin' requires two things. It requires being very good at your job and your wife leaving you. Or like or in general losing something valuable to you because you're spending too much time on your job. I thought that was an important quality. I think you're right. It is. Um, And for this reason, I submit that the secret police are rocking. 
no, because right. this because this guy did his job and lost his connection with the birds, the birds of the forest as a result. Yeah, unfortunately, the secret police were rocking this week. Sorry, sorry, Drill. <sighs> sorry, Drill. We did, we did hand. We did it have to, to hand them. it to him. We did have to hand it to him this time. Um, and only this hope, time. Hopefully. hopefully, never again. I really don't ever want to have to do it again. I don't like <laughs> if that. If we can avoid but, it, if we know. can avoid it. Um, uh, but rules is rules. Uh, <laughs> what do we have a favorite Tenma moment? Yeah, I do. I do. It's when he's doing push-ups in front of the TV. He's just like me for real. Uh, <laughs> he's just like. Oh God. Matt, I want to, next time we hang out, I want to, like, recreate the Denji, he just like me for real meme with you. <laughs> like, like, your, your face on the fucking television. Um, I think that would be really good. Yeah, uh, I agree. Just like me for real. Um, I think my favorite Tenma moment is the one where he... Man, there's actually a lot of good picks in this reading. Tenma gets a lot of good good moments here, but I, I think my pick is is when he's telling the the doctor not to give up until the very oh, end. Oh, that's good. You know, because that's it's just like I was saying, it's a window into Tenma as he's supposed to be. Tenma, who he should be, uh, if he wasn't in this nightmare. Uh, so that's my favorite Tenma moment. Uh, favorite. Side character moment. Uh, it's Lata and Nina looking up at the stars and having their conversation after the end of that chapter. That's for me. That's my favorite named character of this of this reading. And we we went long on it. We talked a lot about it, so I don't have to go again. It's gonna be, it's gonna be Dieter using the power of food. That's good to to grab hold of the meaning of life. I can identify with that. You know, I had a really yeah. good sausage today. Says, I had like, some leftover yeah. pasta um, from, yeah. we went to dinner for my aunt's birthday on Saturday evening. Um, so I had some, some leftover pasta tonight for dinner. It was great. Cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's mine. Uh, and then unnamed or super side character moments. Uh, it's Trumpet Girl for me. Scary Trumpet right. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Trumpet Girl. I'm terrified of her. If I saw her in an alley, I would, I think I would pee myself. And run away. Like, for real. <laughs> Mine is the waitress giving him soup. That's good. And telling him you look like shit, you know, eat. Uh, I just like food. I like food. Anytime food comes up in, like, an emotional context, it just gets to me. Yeah, totally. You know, that's just how I be. Um, so. Cool. Okay, those are, those are the segments. That's it. We did it. Good job. This one, this one ran. This one was a bit chunky, eh? Yeah, we're um, at, I think like, I think after we're two ten. I think after edits, it'll be normal. Next week, we will be reading chapters sixty nine, nice through nice. seventy seven. Yes. Yeah. Um. Wow, that's those are two cool numbers. Uh, to be moving between actually. Uh, that's fun. Um. And uh. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Matt, hey, where where can people find you on the internet? Hey, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm Matt Fennell. I'm at uh blarpole.net. That's my that's my blog. I keep saying I'll post some stuff there and, and maybe I will sooner or later. Um but the the main thing I do is I I uh I run the the Twitter feed for Urasawa Boys, which is at Urasawa Boys. 
Yeah, that's um, how I he have... makes most of his income. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I, no, I, uh, I, I have a job, but I do. I do post on that Twitter. It's very fun. Um, and then I'm on, I'm on Discord. I'm in the Brain Trust. I'm in the Range Touch Discord. You can, you can find me. We can, we can hang out. Um, uh, so that's, that's, that's where I can, you can find me. Quinn, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 200 proof games. That's two zero zero proof games. Um, maybe I'll post, maybe I fucking won't. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at authenticity.trip. Maybe I'll post, maybe I fucking won't. Hey, speaking of things that are definitely going to post, we have a Patreon. Uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash boys, and I can finally say, after episodes of us teasing it, we have recorded an yes. episode on the first couple uh, episodes of the Monster Anime that will be releasing very, very soon for patrons. Actually, yeah. I'm going to say it's available now while you're listening to this episode. Wow, what a gamble. Matt's really, Matt is really like putting himself under the gun for this. Let's We're do it. We're going for it because I've We're edited it, it a little bit as we record Great. this episode. Yeah, so yeah, 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 totally. It will be available um, for, what's the tier that it's available at? I haven't looked at the Patreon in months. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But <laughs> thank it's you, there. Thank you so much for supporting us, my thank dad so and Vil Fox. Thank you. Both we love of you. you so much. And we for anyone else patrons. who joins, uh, we love you as well. Um, even if you're just listening, we love you a lot. Uh, we yeah, really thank you for listening. You coming along. It yeah. means so much. Every week when I upload the new episode and I see the kind of lifetime listener count tick up. It does make me, it, it makes me happy. Is it so. ticking up? That's great. Yeah, it's ticking up. We're almost at 250 for over, like, overall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, surely that's not individual people. That's it's individual, individual listens. So, like, yeah. you know, if you and I have been listening to it a couple times at each, that, least, that counts. Uh, dude, I think at least 50 of those are me. But I the put number that goes shit up on a lot. Every time. The number, the, it does, it does go up. Uh, Either way, we're having a good time doing it. I hope you're having a good time listening. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a friend. Thanks for being a friend. <laughs> <laughs>